This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulating their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash purple rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash purple rocket code purple rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Winglings Under the Willow Tree. Episode 1. Remember the Rain. Being a fairy is no joke. Seriously, it's no laughing matter. It's not all fluttering around and dancing with butterflies and dandelions. Okay, so maybe some of the time we do that stuff, but it's not as common as you think. You see, we fairies actually have a purpose, and it's not to float around ponds sprinkling magical dust over nosy humans. Fairies are Earth's caretakers. What do I mean by that? I mean the Earth is a big, beautiful place in desperate need of tender love and care. To do that, 
Us fairies make sure that the soils are rich for harvest, the trees are lush and full, and that its necessary cycles remain regular. Now, the stories I'm about to tell you of my family are nothing short of remarkable. In fact, you may not believe one or two, but that doesn't matter. I can assure you everything I've been through is as real as fairies, honest to pixie. The name's Willem Wingling, and I, along with my impossible family, live under the willow tree along Emerald Creek. Let me guess, you want to know what we look like? Of course you do. You humans are such visual creatures. All right, then. Hold out your pinky finger. Stand it up nice and straight. And imagine a strikingly handsome face with beautiful brown hair at the top, a simple but suitable brown leather clothes in the middle, some legs at the bottom with leaf-shoed feet, and two glorious translucent wings jutting out the back. That's me. Oh, and I guess one other thing that makes me and my clan stand out is our eyebrows. They're thin and long and stretch up high on the sides. All the better to give you annoying humans a questionable look when needed. I'm pretty sure I heard you snicker a minute ago when you heard my name, and I can't say I blame you. Wingling is actually quite a rude name for a fairy. It'd be like the word dummy for humans. Imagine that. People calling you dummy everywhere you went. Hey, Willem Dummy, how are you today? Or, watch your wings, Mr. Dummy. It's awful, really. It was until I got used to having an insult for a last name. On the other hand, my parents, Walter and Alita, are quite proud of the name. Apparently, there were many brave and important winglings down the line that brought honor to the Daffodil Clan, and for a daft, loony, and all-around odd group of fairies, that sang a lot. You see, clans are what each group of fairies belong to. Each is named after the flower they're born in. That's right, we're born in flowers. You have a problem with that? Didn't think so. Uh, Clans come in all shapes, sizes, and personalities— For example, the tulips from the east are an obnoxiously chattery bunch, and the sunflowers to the north are as sunny and chipper as the Canadians. All of them have their own duties in caring for the earth. In our little section of the world, the daffodils nurture the forests. It's hard work, especially during the fall when everyone expects some glorious color display. I'm exhausted just thinking about it, really. More on that later. I want to start by telling you about a day that changed my life forever. It was a windy day at the edge of the woods, and I was charged with checking the tree canopies to make sure the spring green was filling out. As I sat on a mossy stone on a cliff high above the trees, I pondered. Believe it or not, despite our tiny brains, us fairies are capable of such deep thought. I pondered on my duties, my family, and the never-ending rules put upon me by my parents. Never show yourself to a human, they'll turn you into a circus freak show, they'd say. Or, flap your wings together on the porch wheel, you'll track the pollen and dust in. Ooh, 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 and my personal favourite, never pass the fragrant falls, it's dangerous and daffodils have no need for danger. I despise that rule. You have any idea how boring it gets flying around taking care of trees? Trust me. Flying is overrated. Imagine having another pair of arms coming out your back and you flapping them around as fast as you can to stay afloat. I'd like to see how long you'd last. It's exhausting. Especially before you grow into your adult wings. Anyway, after a good long pondering, I decided I was ready to explore the lands beyond the fragrant falls. I wanted, 
No needed a taste of adventure, a glimpse of the world yonder, and tonight would be the night to break the news of my plans. I flew over the treetops, along the creek, and up to the willow. A gable wood roof stuck out of the trunk and covered a little porch made of twigs and leaves. An inviting glow shone through the tiny glass windows with red panes. Words were carved above the little wooden door that read, Welcome to the Winglings. It was a humble place, the willow, not fit for a queen, of course, but perfect for a poor farming family. I landed gently on the front porch and walked inside. The smell of fresh vegetable stew filled the room. To my right in the gathering room sat my father, Walter, at his oversized feather chair. A thin, dark-haired fellow with a long face and even longer nose, he stared down at the itty-bitty pages of a book through his enormous glasses, occasionally grunting or chuckling to himself. Beside him was a roaring pixie fire in the middle of the floor that illuminated the vaulted ceilings and walls covered with old books and family photos. Pixie fire candles lined the floor of every room, giving the whole house a warm, glittery glow. Walt, put down that book scene seat to the light! That was my mother in the kitchen. She was tending to the stew in a large kettle and had stopped to wave the ladle at my father. Her bright red curls bobbed as she spoke and her blue eyes looked sternly at him. "'As you wish, my dear,' my dad replied. Reluctantly, he stood and walked over to the distinguished candles by the old clock. With a light blow and a wave of his hand, a sparkling orange flame shot up from the wicks. "'Oh, Will, I was wondering when you'd be home. Do your dad a favor and light that there candle by the door?' I turned and blew on the thick stick of wax hanging next to me, making it come to life. Ma kept looking out the kitchen window at the branch outside. She'd been doing that all week, running to the window or out onto the porch to check on my baby brother. Well, that's what I hoped it would be anyway. At the moment, it was just a little daffodil flower resting on a branch waiting to bloom. Ma and Da had to keep it outside at this stage. They said the fresh air helps the flowers to bloom quicker. I could tell they were anxious for my sibling to get here. It had been several years since my ma had the chance to snuggle a tiny fairyling. "'Don't fret, it'll be here soon enough,' my father assured her. He walked over to the table and set it with lily-pad plates and cups made of hardened tree sap. "'I'll fret as long as I like, thank you very much,' Ma replied. "'I thought I heard a storm coming. Bad enough, it's a chilly night. Poor thing will freeze out there. Maybe I'll light a few pixie fires around the petals to keep them warm.' Father sighed. "'Elita, you know we can't have light outside after sunset. Royalty's rules.' Can't be having curious humans climbing up the trees or drawing in the dark with pixie magic. Mother poured the thick stew onto our lily pads. Oh, royalty's rules. Like they even know better. They just sit up there on the high branches and huff down at us. I'll burn pixie outside if I very well like it. Like it? I pulled my spoon from my mouth. Delicious, Ma, I said. That's what I thought. She sat down and took our hands. Let us give thanks to Mother Moon. We bowed our heads. <clears throat> Mother Moon, thank you for your precious light and the food before us. Light. Dan, I said light and then dug into our stew. Now, Ma continued, did you check on the east rim? Of course, I replied. And stayed far away from the fragrant falls? I hesitated. This was my moment. About that, I started. But before I could continue, there came a knock at the door. Ma and Dad exchanged a nervous look before they both stood to answer it. 
When the door opened, they were surprised to find Jasper, the clan messenger, standing on the other side. The plump man's grey beard was curled like an ocean wave and dusted with pixie. He helped himself into the house without invitation and paced in front of the fire. "'Well, help yourself, Jasper,' Ma said sarcastically. "'Thank you much.' He waddled over to the table and started scarfing down my stew. Ma rolled her eyes. "'Come now, man, what's the news?' Such a late hour better bring something worthy of interruption. She and Dad walked over to his side and sat on the table. Jasper swallowed. Best not in front of the boy, he whispered. Dad motioned for me to leave. I did so, but stopped in the hallway and peeked out. As the messenger spoke in a hush to my parents, I could see a flood of terror filling their eyes. Before the old man could finish his message, they were grabbing their coats. Will, Mother called frantically. I walked out and she put her hands on my shoulders. Your father and I must go. The clan needs our help and by light I hope there's something we can do. Promise me you will watch over your sibling with your most vigilant eye until we return. Promise? I nodded. And with that the three of them flew out the door. Sometime later I worked on my blowpipe upstairs in my room, carving its edges and making sure the inside was smooth so that the dry berries I blew through it would fly fast and far. It'd be perfect for hunting flies once it was finished. As I whittled at the tip, a soft breeze blew through my window. Again, the breeze blew, and this time it carried a faint voice. Be watchful, Will, said the wind. I looked out the window up at Mother Moon, and from high up in her starry kingdom she smiled down at me, her pleasant face defined by shadows and her voice as gentle as the breeze. "'Good evening, Mother Moon,' I said to her. "'I've been checking on a little flower, all is well at the winglings.' "'Not so, little Willem. "'The dark is on the horizon, and it is you that must protect not just the flower, but your whole family.' "'As she said the words, a chill ran down my spine. "'There was nothing I feared more than the dark. "'But you see, to fairies, the dark isn't simply the absence of light, "'but rather the absence of good.' The dark was a group of creatures and fairies that didn't like the rest of us trying to take care of Earth. They saw it as a waste of time trying to protect something that the humans so carelessly destroyed. So they spent their time working against them and against us and our efforts. The dark? I asked. Here in Emerald Creek? But why? You will learn soon enough, young Will. But for now, remember the rain. Remember? "'Remember and do not fear it.' "'I paused. "'Every fairy feared the rain, "'and so would you if bowling ball-sized globs of water "'came crashing down from the heavens. "'To us, being out in the rain was dangerous, if not deadly, "'and as you well know, daffodils don't do dangerous.' "'Remember where it comes from,' Mother Moon continued. "'It was normal for her to teach us fairies how to do our job,' But the way she spoke, I knew that my understanding was meant for something more. She smiled. When the glorious sun hits the waves of the sea, water turns to vapor and rises high in the sky until it becomes the clouds above. Wind blows those clouds over the land where the water rains down over us and brings life wherever it touches. When it is finished, it drains back into the rivers which carry the water back to sea. And thus is the never-ending cycle of living waters. 
Do not fear the dark clouds above or the waters from the heavens. They bring life and can protect you. But why are you telling me this now? I asked. Mother Moon's voice faded back into the breeze. Remember the rain, it whispered before disappearing in the trees. A giant glob of water whizzed by my window and splashed on the porch below. I jumped back. Another massive drop crashed onto the outside branch. And another, and another. Pretty soon the sky was full of dark clouds that showered the land with rain. Powerful, terrifying rain. Instinctively I ran to the corner of my room and prayed for it to stop. But it wouldn't. It only grew stronger. Just when I couldn't take it any longer, Mother Moon's words echoed in my mind. Don't fear the rain. You will protect your whole family. My family? The flower? It was... I flew to the window and looked down at the branch below. The daffodil was nowhere to be seen. The wind and rain must have carried it off, I thought. As fast as I could, I threw on my coat, grabbed my blowpipe, and zipped out my window. All around me, giant balls of water streaked by and crashed onto the branches below. I flew as hard as I could down the tree and around the trunk, looking for any sign of my lost flower, the one I had been entrusted to protect. I glanced around the tall grass in a panic. Nothing. I soared through the nearby mushroom marsh, but again, nothing. My efforts were hopeless. It was dark outside. The storm clouds shunned the moonlight, and bringing out a pixie flame at night was strictly forbidden. Then I got an idea. I flew to the pearly pond on the other side of the mossy stones to find the one person who could help. My best friend, Timothy Toad. Why, might you ask, go to Tim? Because toads have incredible night vision, and only he could spot my little flower during a rainstorm— he might be dumber than a dandelion, but he's the best friend anyone could hope for, and I knew, as always, I could count on him. Tim! Tim! I shouted over the thunder. I flew to his hauled-out white pumpkin hut at the end of the pond. Hey? came a voice from the muddy hole. It's like you, dragonfly. I told you you can't use my lily pad as a bed anymore. It comes back wet every time. No, Tim, it's me, I shouted. A frumpy toad with big eyes, baggy pants, and a goofy smile emerged. Oh, I dare, Will. Surprised to see you out fluttering about in the rain. I wouldn't be out fluttering if I hadn't lost my flower. Tim stroked his rubbery chin that ballooned as he croaked. That's the problem with you fairies. Losing something as silly as a flower becomes such a big deal. Calm your picks, I'll pick you a new one in the morning. Tim turned around and headed back inside. Tim, this wasn't just any flower. It's the flower. Tim's head poked back out the doorway. You mean... I nodded. He quickly grabbed his long brown coat and hopped out next to me. Well, why didn't you say so? Let's go! He held up his arms and closed his eyes. Nothing happened. Really? I said with a raised eyebrow. He peeked at me with one eye. Oh, come on. I figure the only way to do this snappy is to carry me. I had a big dinner, Will, and bouncing it around isn't going to do either of us any good. I sighed and grabbed onto his slippery hands and heaved him into the air. It was like trying to fly with an elephant tied around your waist. An elephant with an appetite. Tim's tongue shot out and nabbed a fly in the distance. 
He looked up at me. What? You snatched me before since dessert. Ridiculous. I shook my head and flew harder, gliding through the forest, passing fairy tree houses and the rope bridges that connected them. See anything yet? I asked. Tim's fat head swiveled on its slimy shoulders. Not yet, not yet. Just a bunch of spooked fairies and a couple of black bees buzzing off with a little flower. Nothing of consequence. I shook his arms. Bees? Flower? Where? Tim came to his senses. Oh, um, oh, there. There the boggers go. He pointed down at two black bees carrying my daffodil. They flew low under the thickest branches to avoid the rain. A hard hit from raindrops could kill such creatures. Wait a minute, I thought. What were black bees, the guardians of the dark, doing with my flower? Only one way to find out. I tucked my wings and dove straight for them. When we were within range, I held onto Tim with one hand and pulled out my blowpipe with the other. I shot a hard berry at the one on the left, hitting him square in the back. Knocked off course, he dropped the flower, but the other quickly grabbed it and flew on faster. Tim, your tongue! I shouted. Tim closed one eye, took aim, and shot out his tongue that arced far in front of us like a fisherman casting his line. It stretched and stretched and stretched until it stuck right on the stem of the flower. Tim sucked back his tongue in the flutter of a wing until it was safely in his blown-up mouth. Don't you dare swallow, I said, turning back and flying for home. The black bee spun around in a fury and bolted for us. It zigged and zagged, dodging the raindrops and gaining on us quickly. I looked back at its sharp black stinger that got closer and closer by the second. Normally, I could outfly a bee no problem, but carrying your slippery oversized friend in the process is a whole other story. I saw the faint glow of our willow tree in the distance and flew hard for it. But a voice came to me in the wind. The rain will protect you, it whispered. I looked up at the menacing cloud above and then back at the approaching black bee. Against all my instincts, I jerked upward and flew straight for the sky, barely dodging the drops heading right for me. Where are we going? called Tim. Trust me, I said, and up we flew, up and up and up. Below us, the black bee hesitated almost turning around and giving up altogether. No one was crazy enough to fly up into the rain, but something in him pushed that out of his mind and he charged after us. He flew higher and higher, his stinger only inches away. Um, well, Tim said. What? Do daffodils glow in the dark? What in all the kingdom? I looked down at Tim's puffed-out throat that was glowing like a pixie fire. Together we must have looked like a bright bulb shooting up into the sky. I could see the confused expression on the black bee's face below us. We finally reached the cloud above and vanished into the dark vapor. Unfortunately for us, Tim's glowing throat kept the bee on our trail. Oh, I was tired. I couldn't go on. I wouldn't. My wings were finished. They were done. I stopped, reached into Tim's mouth, and pulled out the flower. With a good shake, I said... Come on! Come on! Bloom already! Bloom! Just then, something incredible happened. Two large raindrops landed on the flower, making it spring open. The moment the petals opened, the most brilliant light shot out in every direction. And inside, curled up in a little ball, 
was an itty-bitty girl, the most beautiful fairyling I'd ever laid eyes on. Her fiery red hair curled down her back. Her wings glittered and wrapped around her shivering body. She blinked and then looked up at me with piercing green eyes. I had a little sister, and she was glowing with a radiant pixie I'd never seen. Delicately, I scooped her out and dropped the flower, still holding on to my croaking friend. Timothy snapped me out of my daze with a panic shout. Will, look out! I looked down just in time to see the black bee's stinger burst through the cloud. No! I shouted. Immediately, I felt a surge shoot through me. A warm energy that started at the arm holding my sister and ending at my toes. A bolt of lightning flashed from my feet and zapped the black bee before it could reach us. The buzzing insect fell with static flickering in its pricked hairs. Tim stared up at me with his gummy jaw dropped. We had done it. She was safe. As the storm calmed, we flew home, neither of us saying a word about what happened. What was there to say? Hey, Will, how about that lightning you shot out of your pinky toe? Nonsense. I wasn't even sure if what I saw and felt really happened. Then again, my toes were still buzzing all the way home. After dropping Tim off, I flew my little sister into our willow and wrapped her in a warm blanket by the pixie fire. The flames roared and turned colors the closer I put her to it. We were only home minutes before my parents walked through the door. Willem P. Wingling, what have I told you about throwing spider sauce in the fire? You know that. She was stopped as my father grabbed her arm and pointed to the curled-up fairyling at the foot of the flames. They both ran to my sister and picked her up. When did she? How long ago? My ma started to ramble, but she was too overjoyed to see her beautiful daughter to put words together. They both snuggled the little girl. She reached up with her tiny hand and played with Dad's nose. As she did, she started to glow. My parents gasped. <gasps> it can't be, said Dad. Mother was speechless. Her trembling hands clasped over her mouth as tears filled her eyes. Father looked out the window in a panic. Who has seen her? He asked, his voice growing defensive. No one, Da. She bloomed only minutes ago. She's only... You're sure of it? Father insisted. His unusually harsh tone frightened me. Da, Ma, what's going on? Father handed the child to my mother. Alita, hide her in the lowest route and cover her well. I'll be down in a minute with supplies. Hurry! Ma took the child and flew down the spiral stairs. Father dug through the closets, grabbing blankets, pixie fire sticks, and supplies. Dad, talk to me, I said. Father spoke as he continued. The queen, she's on her deathbed this very night. The light is fading out of her and the clan is in a frenzy trying to save her. She won't last, Will, I'm sure of it. I shook my head. What does this have to do with my baby sister? Dad stopped and turned to me. Everything, Will, everything. When was the last time you saw a fairy shine like her, huh? When was the last time you've been blinded by such light? Thoughts raced through my mind, trying to keep up with the situation and all I'd been through. Finally, they stopped on a memory. A vivid, unforgettable memory. The only one that compared. The Queen, I said softly. Last time I saw such a glow was 
when we met the Daffodil Queen. I looked up at my father with wide eyes. My sister, she's going to be the new queen? Not if the Dark has anything to say about it, father said. We must get her as far away from here as we can. The queen wasn't sick, Will. I've seen a poisoned face in my time and won't forget it. They're stripping us of our queen, the very light keeping this clan aglow. He looked down at the staircase. The future of our people lies with her, and it's up to us to protect her. I couldn't believe it, but had no time to make any sense of it. Da handed me a packed bag, and together we flew down the stairs.' 